All right, good morning. Okay, I want to just thank you for being here this morning. I'm going to uh, just share a couple of quick announcements. Uh, for newcomers, there's a sign-up sheet on the table in the back. And also there's a sign-up sheet for the ladies' brunch-in out in the hallway. And the other thing is that after the service, there's a meeting for the connection team. Uh, they are handing out at the doors a list of announcements for the week. So if you're just trying to find ways to get connected here at the chapel, uh, just go ahead and find that announcement sheet, and that'll give you phone numbers and ways that you can plug in to various ministry opportunities here at the chapel. Psalm 92 says this. It says, It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night, to the music of the ten-stringed lyre and the melody of the harp. For you, Lord, make me glad by your deeds. Therefore, I will sing for joy at the work of your hands. How great are your works, O Lord, and how profound your thoughts to me. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, as we come into your presence this morning, we are mindful of the works that you have done in our lives. For those that have come to trust you here this morning, Lord, we're grateful for the cross work of Christ and for the tremendous difference that it has made in and for our lives. Lord, as a result of your works and your blessings towards us, our desire this morning is to sing praise to your name, to reflect and to be grateful for everything that you have done for us. So meet with us this morning by your spirit, inspire our thoughts, encourage our thoughts, illuminate our thoughts, so that what we sing is not merely lyrics, but it is your truth, boldly proclaimed together for our encouragement and for your glory. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Let's worship him together. To him who is our peace, 
again.
left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Sin had left. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. He washed. He washed it white as snow. He washed it white as snow. Oh, praise the one. us white as snow. We thank you that you sought us out and it wasn't the other way around. God, we seek to honor you in this time, in this moment. Thank you so much for the, um, just thank you so much time for, for this time of worship. Father, as Doug comes, I ask that uh, you would just bless the words that he has to speak, that you would speak to us through him and that you would open our, our hearts to receive what you would have for us today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, you may be seated. It's good to have you here. Um, just a couple reminders. Um, we do have Sunday school that starts at 9.30, and we would love, if you want to come and try it out sometime, we'd love to have you come out and try. And then, of course, the morning service starts promptly at 10.30 each Sunday, and we always appreciate you being here for that. All right, um, we're coming to the end of our uh, series on Proverbs. I think James, oh, thank you. Junior Church, young people, you can be dismissed at this time for Junior Church. Thank you very much, Scott. So we're, we're coming toward the end, and I want to um, kind of piggyback a little bit off of some stuff that uh, Tim talked about last week. 
There's a little overlap, but I think it'll be complementary and helpful on communicating wisely from the book of Proverbs. And, I, and this week, rather than handing out uh, a, a list with all the verses on it, I'll, I'll just put them right up on the screen for you. So we'll see, we'll see how that works. I don't know if you know the name Paul Harvey. Uh, Paul Harvey was a radio personnel person uh, years ago. He's with, he's, he's, he's died since, but he ha- always had some really interesting stories. And I, I remember one time he told this interesting story. He said there was a bus going around, um, I don't know if it was on 85 or I think it was 95 going down around the beltway of Washington, down that way somewhere. And he said, all of a sudden, the person sitting right behind the bus driver tapped him on the shoulder. He turned around and she said, there's a bomb in the back of the bus. So like what, like what did he learn in, tru- uh, in bus school for that one? So he, he carefully pulled the bus over to the side and he said, ladies and gentlemen, would you mind stepping out of the bus for just a moment? He stepped off the bus, run, run, you know, and, and, and they called in the police and the bomb squad and the whole thing. And this particular bus in the very back, it had a latrine. And so, you know, the bomb squad, they're going back, seat, 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 seat. They finally get to the back, and they open up the latrine. And there's, there's some guy, some drunk guy, just out in the latrine. So they helped him out. And here, what had happened is the lady in the way back had said, there's a bum in the back of the bus. And by the time that had gotten to the front of the bus, to the bus driver, it had been interpreted as bomb. So major, major issue. But it reminded me that we all struggle with communication, don't we? I mean, I, I think about this. Like, I teach on this stuff. Like, I, I, you know, I teach on the area of communicating effectively. And, and then I have to go home and try to do it with my wife, right? Or my children. Or you. Or whatever. You know, and so it's a, it's it's an area that I think we all struggle with. I, I think of a couple scenarios, and I'm not thinking of anybody in here. Okay, I'm just thinking of scenarios. Okay, so um, we'll call them Jack and Jill. How about that? That your name's Jack and Jill. I'm not thinking of you. Okay, I'm just saying. So Jack comes home from work, and he's not much of a talker, and his wife Jill is a talker. And she is so frustrated with him because she wants to talk about the day and he just wants to shut her off and he, he literally ignores her, and which makes her more and more upset. And it's explosive. And then you take another family, parent and children, and the child says this to their parent. You ever hear this one from a teenager? You're always negative and you don't listen to me. Have you ever said that as a teen? Have you ever had a teen that said something like that? And then you go to work, and there's this guy there that's just absolutely obnoxious. And you think, should I say what I feel? And if so, what's the best way to say it? And then you come to church, Maybe you meet somebody who's just as sanctimonious as you can possibly imagine and you feel that they're demeaning and looking down on you. Does not all these things happen to us 
in any given week. We could just add one scenario after another scenario. And what we say is, something's broken there. It's not supposed to work that way. And so what I want to do today is I want to just talk through two aspects of communication. Properly expressing myself and properly listening from the book of Proverbs. Okay, just those two. And, and as we work through, I'm going to kind of give you a blow-by-blow description of what that means, okay? Um, so with each one of those, what I want you to do in your mind is, would you take a little test? And would you tally, where do you struggle most in the area of communication? Just, you know, you, you, you mark it, and, and we'll watch and find what you do. Here's what I want to say, though. I want to be very, very careful, and I appreciate it. Tim made this a similar qualification last week. Here's what I don't want you to think. Oh, Finkbeiner's going to give me some little ditties on how to communicate better, and I'm just going to go out, and my life's going to be a little bit nicer. Is that what the writer of Proverbs is ultimately concerned about? Or... Does Proverbs 1 7 say this? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So here's what's really important, folks. As we talk through communication between us, it is always based first and foremost on this right relationship with God where I know Him through His Son. And because of that, he's given me of his spirit. And because of that, I can move into all of my relationships and communicate differently. Does that make sense? So it's really, really important that we don't just talk about this and forget this. Because this, a relationship with God, is always the basis of this. Make sense? So let's unpack it as we work through. Proper expression first. What does that mean? It means you got to say the right thing. Specifically in this passage, wisdom and truth. Listen to what the text says. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but a tongue of perversity will be cut off. He who will speak truth will reveal righteousness, but the witness of falsehood will reveal deceit. And so, If I'm going to relate correctly to my kids, to my coworkers, to my mate, to church members, to my neighbor next door when his leaves keep blowing over onto my lawn when I've already raked mine. Have you ever had that happen? That's another story. We won't go. I carry no bitterness in my heart at all, as you can tell. But you know what I mean? Like, what do you do with these things? Right? And this text says what we desperately need at the very core of our heart is to be so overwhelmed with God that when we actually speak to people, it is both true and wise. It is appropriate for them and for us in that moment. It's wise. How do you get there? Like, like how, do, how do you make that happen? One of the passages that comes to my mind It's that wonderful passage back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I'll just read it to you, but I I love it. Deuteronomy chapter 6, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. You see the, see, see, see the vertical there, right? Then listen to what he says next. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. And then he talks about what you can do with them with others when you impress them on your children. Not force, but impress them on your children. And he talks about that. But here's the point. There is no way that I'm going to be able to speak truth and wisdom consistently into your life if God hasn't, first of all, spoken that into my life. And the only way to do that is to know this, the book, right? Because herein lies wisdom and knowledge and truth. And so what we're called to do is get to know God. In his word. How do you explain, I've often thought about this working with uh, young people, college age students. It's getting harder and harder to explain meditation to an Instagram generation. I'm just saying, you know, I mean, we used to be able to do hour long lectures. Man, that is gone now. Man, everything's in 20 minute clips at the most. And then you got to do a small group interactive thing and come back and, you know, and all this stuff that they talk to you about. And I, 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 I get it. It's the world in which we live. We got to make, and here I am speaking for 35 minutes or so, but whatever. But, but, but you see, it's a challenge in our day, isn't it? Because everything is really, really, really quick. How do you get people to stop everything else and just sit before God and spend time. Well, that's it's boring. What would I do? And again, the fine art of meditation is one that's being lost in our day. You know, when I was a kid, I used to love those uh, jawbreakers. Remember those jawbreakers? Yeah, I don't eat them now. They kill my teeth. But, um, but I used to love them. And meditation is like eating a jawbreaker, isn't it? I mean, you flip a jawbreaker into your mouth, and what do you do? I mean, you know, I, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you just work that baby, you work it, you work it, you work it, you work it, and finally it dissolves. That's a little bit different than a Cheerio. Flip a Cheerio in your mouth, and that's why we give them to babies. They melt, and it's, it's all gone. We got to start learning to eat jawbreakers when it comes to God's word again. Well, you sit before them, and look, here's one of the things I recommend everybody should have a study Bible. I'm more and more convinced of that. You got like, I'm reading along, I don't even know when does this, I'm reading this book called. Haggai, like, I don't even know when that takes place. Like, whatever. Have a study Bible so you can read the front of it, and it'll tell you, oh, this takes place at this time, and here's a little chart of the prophets. If you want it, it's there. Get yourself a good study Bible and read God's Word, and then reread it. Maybe make a commitment to say, I'm going to read through this whole book in one year. About three chapters a day. Boom. Get behind, then do four. And just read right through it and try to get a big feel for the book. What I do sometimes, I take a book in the Bible, like, I don't know, Matthew. And all I'm going to do for a solid month is read Matthew through again and again and again and again and again. Nothing else, just Matthew. 
for a whole month. When I get done it, I read it again. I read it again. You know what? By about week three, I'm kind of feeling like Matthew's audience a little bit. Because I'm, 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 you know, I'm making connections. There's all kinds of different ways you can read the scripture. Have a study Bible. Do a broad stroke. Focus in on one book. But for heaven's sakes, read. How will I ever give wisdom to my children and to people if I don't know it? Spurgeon used to say, if you cut open a Christian, they ought to bleed Bible. I'm not suggesting you do that. I'm just, it's merely symbolic. Saying the right thing. And the only way to do that is, first of all, have it in your heart. Secondly, saying the right thing for the right reason. Look at these passages. Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips. Oh, you look so beautiful. Why am I saying that? Do I mean it? Or am I going to manipulate them? People do all kinds of things. Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in the heart. Wow, that's a lot. Contrast that with faithful are the wounds of a friend, but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Good communication says the right thing for the right reason. And that reason's always the same. Out of my love for God, or should be, out of my love for God and my love for you, I'm going to speak the truth into your life. That, that's, that's how it works. But I have to tell you, sometimes in my communication, <laughs> all I, I... Do you do this with children sometimes? I mean, when my kids were really young, I hate to admit it, but, but there certainly were times when I would just use my language to manipulate them. Just to get them to do what I, what I, what, what I wanted them to do. And that worked okay when they were four and five. Didn't work so well when they were 14. Because they caught on to what I was doing, right? And, and so, you know, you learn, and you, you have to ask, in those cases, I have to ask my kids for forgiveness. There's times when I have to tell my kids, kids, forgive me. I, Dad was doing that wrongly. I, maybe I said the right thing, but I didn't do it for the right reason. Forgive me. Yeah, it's all part of life. Good communication says the right thing for the right reason. Remember what Jesus says? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Or I suppose you could paraphrase that. I heard that paraphrased by a speaker recently. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the fingers tweet, uh, is what he had said. But anyway, do it for the right reason. Thirdly, saying the right thing for the right reason in the right way. Now, let me just pull back for a second. Are you, are you taking this test? Okay. With each one of these elements, maybe grade yourself from A to C. No Ds, right? A to C. Like saying the right thing. How you doing there? For the right reason. How you doing there? And I know what people always say to me. They say, well, Finkbinder, it depends upon the relationship you're talking about. I get it. So maybe it's your relationship with your mate. Maybe it's your relationship with your kids at work. You Think about it. But ask yourself, where do you struggle most? Saying the right thing 
for the right reason, out of my love for God and my love for that person, I speak truth into their life. In the right way. Listen to this. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Have you ever felt this? People have talked to you, and it's like they might have just taken a knife and gone, <clears throat> right? Now we're like, oh, wow. And they're often rash, which means unthinking, wrong timing, and they just blurt it out. You know, sometimes I've heard people tell me, well, you know, I just tell people how I feel. And sometimes I want to say, well, maybe you shouldn't, at least not right now. But they just blurt it out. Compare that to this, Romans 15, I'm Proverbs 15, 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. We've seen this a million times, haven't you, with people? They come at you hard, and you come back in kindness and carefulness and gentleness and humility, and it just really diffuses the situation. So, the right way means I come back toward people gently. I love the passage over in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul's talking to how pastors should be functioning. And one of the things he says, there are going to be people that are going to come at you hard. And you've got to stand on what is true. You don't back down on the truth. But you need to move back toward them in gentleness and in kindness and in courage. But nonetheless, you need to be kind with them in the way you approach them. You need to be humble in the way you approach them. Proverbs 11.2 tells us God wants us to be humble in our way that we approach other people. If I have an issue with you, I don't know. I'll have an issue with Tim because he's right up front here. I can come up to Tim if I don't like something that he did and said, Tim, that was really stupid what you did. I can't believe somebody would do something like that. Now, maybe it was stupid. Maybe it was kind of foolish. Could be a whole host of things. How do you think he's going to receive that? Oh, Doug, thank you so much. Could, could you give me more? Well, sure. No, no, I mean, what, what would you do? Would you like, I mean, you're, you're put, you're, that's what we do. But how about if I approached Tim and said something like, hey, you know, Tim, I have, uh, I've really struggled in my life in this particular area. And over the years, I found that God is beginning to really do a work in my life. And it strikes me that you have some of the same kind of struggles. I'm just wondering how I might be able to help you. He might hear that a little bit better. Isn't that exactly what Jesus says in Matthew 7? You know, there's there's very few verses that lost people, a lot of lost people know, but one of them is, judge not, lest ye be judged. And they never read the passage. Because Jesus is not saying, you're not in a place where you can't evaluate others. What he says in that passage is, get 
the log, get the two by four out of your eye before you try to take a splinter out of somebody else's eye. Can you imagine if I came in here today and I had a, I had a telephone pole sticking out of my eye? You know, I mean, like, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to balance this baby. And I see Elizabeth on that front row. I can't turn too much. I'm going to whack her in the head. So I have to kind of be like this. And, and I say, Elizabeth, did you know you have a, excuse me, sorry, you have a splinter in your eye? Isn't that weird? That's exactly the picture in Matthew 7. And the text says, take the log out of your own eye first, whatever that log is, and then you will move toward other people humbly. Because when you see the splinter, you really will care about that person, but you won't do it like, I can't believe, can you believe Elizabeth? No, that's not the way it's supposed to be. No, moving to people in humility, genuine humility, not put on because I know what God has forgiven me of. I know what God has done in my own life. And that so shapes me that when I move to somebody else, I don't have to do this. I can with open hands say, how can I help? But I don't deny the truth either. I speak the truth, but I do it in love because I care and I'm careful. So this gentleness and this humility. And, and something else I'd lo- love to, uh, this, was, I, this was the other message I was thinking about doing today. I had, I had three bubbling around in my head. This is one I settled on. But the other one that I would love to do, um, years ago, uh, I, I read a really, really, really good book called Hear My Son. Um, and it, it's on the book of Proverbs. And, and in there, the author has spent one chapter, and I really love this, He spent the chapter saying, I want to talk to you not so much about what the Proverbs say, but how they say it. In other words, how do they tell us to approach people with the truth in a whole bunch of different ways? And and that would be a fun study in itself. But let let me just give you a, a, a simplified version of that. It'd be this. Sometimes the writer of Proverbs tells us we should come to people and we should talk to them directly. Which is why all the way through Proverbs 1 to 9, you have this statement, hear my son. It was my favorite approach with my children when they were really young. Isn't that what you normally do? You sit down that three-year-old and you say, honey, I shouldn't point, sorry, but honey, uh, what you did was wrong. And then, but see how direct that is? Now, that becomes less and less effective, frankly, as people get older. And what's fascinating to me is the book of Proverbs lists a whole bunch of creative ways to move to people in different ways. And sometimes, and it depends upon the age group, sometimes, like in Proverbs chapter 6, You actually create an analogy. Go to the ant, thou slugger. Consider her ways and be wise. You see what I just did? I just turned this ant world into a whole object lesson now that we can talk about. That works really, really good with kids, which is why I want to advertise a quick book for you. Um, Have you, has any, any, for young, especially, if you have young children, I recommend this series. It's called Good News for Little Hearts. Have you heard of it? Good news for little hearts. There's about eight of them out, eight to ten of them out. And they are so 
good. So much of the stuff you read, they're colorful and interesting, but they have, they have key counselors that are working in conjunction with the person writing the story. And they even have helps at the back for parents of questions they can talk to their children about afterwards and a series of Bible verses that work right with the story itself. It is so good. Good news for little hearts. I'm getting every one of them for my grandkids. I am. I'm just, I mean, they're just, they're, they're going get to get them all. And, but I, I, really, really good things. But it uses analogy all the way through. Here's something else you find in Proverbs. You're reading along, you come to Proverbs 24. And, and here's an indirect approach where you have a father with his son and they come over and they say, so what do you see over there? And the son says, well, it looks like the grass has grown on that farm. Looks like the barn door is broken too. I'm adding it a little bit. Well, let's see if we can find out where the farmer is. Well, let's walk inside. They walk inside and you know what they find? That guy is sound asleep on his bed. And it's mid-morning. And then the writer says, a little sleep. A little slumber and goes on. Do do, do you see? But it's an object lesson. It's indirect where you bring somebody in and you talk about stories. You create stories. You evaluate those together. And out of that, you teach lessons. And the writer of Proverbs, and that's just a little bit. The writer of Proverbs does all kinds of stuff all the way through. To motivate his audience. Sometimes it's more direct. Sometimes it's more indirect. But always very, very effective. So good communication. Says the right thing. For the right reason. In the right way. Humbly. Gently. Wisely. Directly, indirectly. Which way do I do this? It's not easy, is it? Which means it's always an engagement in prayer before God for his wisdom. Saying the right thing for the right reason, in the right way, at the right time. A person finds joy in giving an apt reply. And how good is a timely word. Confession is good for the soul, so here I go. There's been times I, 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 I praise God for my kids. I love my kids. We have a great relationship. It's wonderful. Um, but sometimes when I look back at some of my parenting, I go like, oh, like, Doug, what were you thinking on this one? Have you ever had this happen? Maybe not you. I'm just telling me. I, talking with my kid, they've done something that I have to deal with. And I come up and I start talking to them. And as I'm talking to them, the spirit of God is already saying in my heart, It's bad timing. Why don't you wait for an hour? Let things cool down first. And you know what I do as an obedient child of God? (laughs) Forget that, man. I'm going for the juggler on this one. And I keep speaking. And as I'm speaking, I'm looking at this child, and I'm saying, this isn't working. So I get louder. And that's not working either. And I look at my wife, and she's like, and then you just kind of give up, you know. (laughs) You ever do anything like that? What if I would have just waited for an hour or two? 
And then going back and at an opportune time said, hey, can we debrief what happened this afternoon? And sometimes I have to tell my children, look, daddy's upset right now. You're upset right now. Let's just pray about this. We'll come back and talk about it a little bit later. And I know you go back later and you knock on the door and they go, I don't want to talk about it. And you're like, yeah, I think we're probably ready now though. You, you, know, you have to wisely think about those things. But, but do you know what I'm talking, saying? So often our communication is poor timing. And then we use the verse and we say, well, the Bible says, don't let the anger go down in your wrath. I mean, yeah, don't let the sun go down in your anger. Don't let the anger go down in your wrath. That would be an interesting verse too, okay? I've not read it in the Bible. Yeah. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And, and, and yeah, that's a great principle, and you should seek not to allow things to linger. That's true. But, but again, timing is critical. And, folks, when it comes to communication, it has to constantly be an act of prayer. God, is this, is this the right way? Is this the right time? Am I saying it correctly? You don't always know. And sometimes you take a risk and God in his grace uses it anyway. Good communication says the right thing for the right reason in the right way at the right time to the right person. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. Where there is no whisperer, Quarreling ceases. But the words of a whisper are like delicious morsels. Oh, man, is it good. Man, gossip is really fun to listen to. They go down into the innermost parts of the body. Argue your case with your neighbor himself. Do not reveal another secret. Lest he who hears you bring shame upon you and your ill repute have no end. Phil, I'm going to use you this time. You're sitting close, you get nailed. Okay, it's just the way it works. Not nailed, um, used. That's not good either. Anyway, you're part of the illustration. So what happens if, um, I don't know, I guess I do need somebody else. I have an issue with Ken. Ken. Ken's back there. Ken and Fran. I have an issue with, I have an issue with Ken and Fran. Let's just throw them both together. Okay. You know what? I think Phil needs to know about it. Phil, I got a prayer request for you. You know, got to kind of sugarcoat this thing a little bit, right? With spiritual stuff. Did you hear about Ken and Fran? Well, I'm going to tell you. How good is that? This text says... You start being a whisperer, you're going to just, embers are going to, you, know, you, you get this fire down where it's almost out, and then somebody takes a log and throws it back on, and that thing's up again. It says, look, communi- good communication talks to the right person. Well, I don't want to talk to Ken. He might not like what I say. Well, if I love him, I have to think about timing and how I say it to him. And yeah, all true, all true. But I still have to say it. If Phil is not part of the solution or problem, I shouldn't tell Phil. I should just tell Ken and Fran, whatever the issue is. 
boy, could we save a lot of problem places if we did this. And I have to tell you this. I, I, I just, this church has been wonderful. But all I can tell you is dealing with pastors and churches through the years in other settings, it is a huge problem in churches. Where people don't talk to the people, they talk to other people about the people. Man, that's always going to be a problem. What if we did it like this? What if I said the right thing for the right reason in the right way, at the right time, to the right person. You will never pull that off consistently by yourself. Never. That's got to be a work of God's Spirit in your heart. The flip side is proper reception. So, I've got to say something to this other person. And when people speak, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Notice the two verses. If one gives an answer before he hears it, it is his folly and his shame. I know what you're thinking. Maybe you don't. What your eyes have seen, do not hastily bring into court. For what will you do in the end when your enemy puts you to shame? I, sh- I saw him. And you didn't really. You don't even know what the context was. And this text says, slow it down and get all the facts and listen before you say anything. Let me share three of my tendencies. Maybe they're yours. Depends upon who I'm dealing with. Again, confession is good for the heart. So here it goes. Sometimes when I listen, I'm judgmental. And as you're speaking, um, I'm already preparing my rebuttal for what you're saying to me. I'm not really listening to you. Not so much concerned about understanding. I'm just thinking like, oh, that was a pretty good point. What am I going to say on that one? Right? It's easy to be judgmental. It's easy to interrupt ever had one of your children talking to you about how they feel? They're actually opening up and talking and you keep interrupting them. And finally, what they'll do is they'll just shut down and they'll just say, I'm done. (laughs) I've said enough. Let them talk. Our tendency sometimes is to be judgmental and to interrupt. Our purpose in listening is not to win the argument Our purpose in listening is to understand the other person. And that's huge. Listen. And the other thing is, don't let your mind wander. (sighs) Come home from work, young kids, and I say to my young child, honey, how was your day? Oh, daddy, and that, you know, I'm listening, and, and eventually it's like, because I'm not listening. And about halfway through, that little precious little child looks up at me and says, so what do you think of that, dad? Uh, dad? And you think to yourself, what do I think of what? I don't even know what you're talking about. I haven't been listening. I've been thinking about the bills I have to pay or what happened at work. 
The whole time you're doing it, I'm just going, hmm, hmm. But I'm not listening. I've got to value that young child enough that when they speak, I listen. Now, sometimes you have to face, you know, you have to tell them, hey, honey, maybe just give me a summary of the day. I mean, you know, sometimes you have to kind of coach them along there a little bit. Like, I get that too, because otherwise you get a blow-by-blow every three minutes, and, you know, I, I get it. But I'm not valuing them. I'm not valuing you if I'm judging you while you're talking to me. Or I'm always interrupting you. Or I'm not really listening to you. I'm just shaking my head. Hmm. <laughs> that's, not, that's not loving. Rather, we need to say, you are valuable, and I want to understand what you're saying. And when I have understood that, I'll communicate my perspective. Is that easy? For none of us. We all struggle in various areas. What I love is when I read of the ministry of Jesus, he has a way of putting all this together, doesn't he? Listen to what we read at the end of Matthew chapter 11. When Jesus is calling people and he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Gentle? Yeah. Humble? Yeah. And then he quotes from Isaiah chapter 42 and and Matthew chapter 12, describing himself as as the servant of God. And here's what he says. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love and whom I delight. God the Father is speaking. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. I mean, truth is there, folks. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in heaven. It's not going to be a loud mouth, in your face kind of a person. No, no. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Till he has brought justice through to victory in his name, the nations will put their hope. And that's our Lord, folks. That's our Lord that moves to people and speaks the truth in love, speaks the truth, but he does it in appropriate ways. I watch him again and again. And when people come to speak to him, little children are brought to Jesus. And what do the disciples say? Get him out of here. A waste, bad time management. And Jesus says, suffer the little children to come to me. Isn't that something? He's with them and he listens and he changes them. And then I thought about one other verse. When I read Proverbs on communication, it makes me think of Jesus. And then I find Jesus telling us over in Colossians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11, that he is the image of God, 
that we should be emulating. And specifically in Colossians 3, one of the areas is in the area of my mouth. So when you read Proverbs, think of Jesus. And when you think of Jesus, think about the fact that if you know him as Lord and Savior, you can actually change in the way that you communicate with others. So, let's go back and have you take the test. Proper expression and reception. Proper expression, saying the right thing for the right reason, in the right way, at the right time, to the right person. Proper reception, listening wisely. All of this is exemplified in Jesus and empowered by the Spirit in those who are God's children. So with that definition, is there one or two of those that you would have to check? Look at it. I'm going to close in prayer, but I'm going to wait about one minute. Will you turn that into a prayer request? Will you say, God, and give it a street address. Get specific. Say, God, help me in the way that I talk with my wife. I especially struggle when I come home from work. That's a good prayer request. It's nice, specific, and concrete. It's a, it's a, it's a street address. It's not like Pennsylvania or the United States, which is like, God, I struggle some in communication. Pfft, what's that mean? Get specific. And as you get specific, turn that into a prayer request and make a commitment. Maybe even share with somebody else who can pray for you in that same area. Will you do that? So let's go to prayer. I'll give you about a minute to pray about whatever your need might be. If your need is that you're listening to all this and you're saying, look, uh, I'm not even a Christian. That's where it needs to begin, always in your relationship with God. But take that definition and pray to God and I'll close in about a minute. Father, I have often thought with the words of James, how is it that we can out of the same mouth bless and curse people from the same mouth? We can't tame our tongue, Lord, only you can. Father, I pray that through your spirit, you will Identify areas where we struggle in our communication, whether that's speaking or listening. 
And that your spirit will begin to do a work in our hearts that will just flourish into growth in whatever area we're praying about. Lord, we beg of you to do your will with our mouths and with our ears. And Father, for that, we will forever rejoice. In Christ's name I pray, amen. So this brings us to the communion table. Communion table, as you know, is this wonderful opportunity for us to reflect upon the perfect one, Jesus Christ, who lived the life we could never live, who died the death that we all deserved, died in our place, resurrected from the tomb so that you and I could be forgiven and set free. And this is the monthly time, hopefully you do it more often, but as a, as a large group, where we come together and we reflect afresh about the wonders of the cross that God has saved me in the person of Jesus Christ. Expressing thanks and asking him to make that truth change everything in my life. So I hope that'll be your prayer, a prayer of dedication and wonder over what he's done for us at the cross of Calvary. is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest phrase, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Oh, 
holds within the veil. My anchor holds within the veil. Christ alone, cornerstone, the weak made strong in the same. grace is amazing. You know, as we were hearing that sermon this morning, I heard so many times where it was like, oh, James, you failed there, and you failed there, and you could do so much better there. And, and when you hear that, sometimes we can magnify the sin in our lives, and we miss the Savior. We can magnify the guilt and miss the grace. And I so appreciate Doug was bringing us back to the fact that Christ is exemplified all of those things, and he lived it for you, and he died for you, so he set you free in him. 
He has forgiven you, and you are freed in him. So as we take these communion elements, I want you to go back and remind yourself of what Christ has done for you. He is your cornerstone. He is your forgiver. He is your freer. He is the amazing gospel of amazing grace. So we take these elements this morning. Um, You will see two cups there. One cup has your element, bread. In 1 Corinthians, it says this, For I've received from the Lord what I deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Eat with me. In the same way, also he took a cup after the supper and saying, this is the cup that is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray today. Father, your word spoke this world into existence. You're communicating God. Every day when you created, you said it was good, it was good, it was good. You're communicating God. You spoke to the man and the woman, our our foreparents, Adam and Eve. You speak to us in our conscience because you've put your word in our conscience, your law in our conscience. You speak to us through creation, Father. We look out there and see the beauty of it. You speak through Christ, our cornerstone. And you speak through elements like baptism or the Lord's Supper. And it points us to the fact that you are communicating and revealing God. I praise you for that. Father, you reveal our sin to us, but then you point us to the Savior, You reveal our guilt, but you point us to grace. And Father, help us to live in gratitude and help us to live in satisfaction for who you are and what your son has done for us. I pray your Holy Spirit would continue to conform us to his image. And I pray that you bring glory and honor to your name through us. So Lord, as we leave here, bless us and keep us. Make your face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance upon us, Lord, and grant us your peace. And all God's people said, amen. Be blessed today.